Welcome to the Golden Age of Comic Books. Hey, Golden Age fans. It is April 25th, 2007, and this is the 51st installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books. This is Bill Jordan, your host, and I'm glad you're here. Got a number of things we're going to talk about today on the Golden Age of Comic Books, some new Golden Age-related reprint books that have come out since our last episode. And then we're going to cover a couple of uh, DC Fawcett Golden Age characters, both uh, starting with the word black. So stay tuned for that. So let me jump right in and talk about some reprint books that have come out. First of all, um, DC has published a trade paperback called Wonder Woman, The Greatest Stories Ever Told. It's got a really neat Alex Ross cover. And the Golden Age material is not exclusive to this book. There are a number of other stories in here from the Bronze Age and the Modern Age and the Silver Age. But there are some Golden Age stories in this book that I think you'll find enjoyable if you're a fan of the Golden Age Wonder Woman. In particular, you will find the first story that appeared in Sensation Comics number 1 from January of 1942. That is actually the second half of the Wonder Woman origin story that first started out in the pages of All-Star Comics and then spilled over into Sensation Comics number 1. Then you'll find a very lengthy story uh, that appeared in the pages of Wonder Woman number 28, almost a full issue uh, containing one story. And that was uh, a story called Villainy Incorporated and its other chapters that, that was found in Wonder Woman number 28 from March-April 1948. And then you have a story from 1958 called Top Secret from Wonder Woman number 99. And then last but not least, as far as uh, uh, more or less Golden Age stories, you have a story called Wanted Wonder Woman from Wonder Woman number 108 from August of 1959. Really an early Silver Age story, but uh, a, a good crossover. Um, I think you'll find all of those Wonder Woman stories very enjoyable, and uh, I'd check them out. It's not a very expensive book. Uh, 1999 U.S. You can get it cheaper, of course, from in-stock trades or other sources, and you'll have a good source for some Golden Age Wonder Woman stories if you haven't already read those. Now, another DC Comics Golden Age-related reprint book has come out. It's another archive edition, and that is Superman the Action Archives, Volume 5, this reprints the Superman stories that appeared in Action Comics starting with issue number 69 and going through issue number 85. These are classic stories from the Golden Age of comic books uh, done by the great Jack Burnley and the great Wayne Boring. If you, if you like the uh, Wayne Boring Superman artwork, well, you'll find tons of it in this particular volume. Jack Burnley also did some of the uh, stories that are in this volume. Of course, Burnley did a lot of Batman work in the Golden Age as well. All of these stories were printed in 1944 and 1945 originally, and are really at the height of the Golden Age of comic books. So if you want to see some of the classic Superman stories from Action Comics, pick up the Superman Action Comics Archives Volume 5, of course, as with most of the DC Archive editions that has a $49.99 U.S. cover price, again, this volume can be had much cheaper than that from other sources, in-stock trades and, and other sources like that. Now, last but not least, another Golden Age reprint book came out, and I was kind of excited about this one because it's something that really hasn't seen much reprinting in the past, the, the material from this particular book, and I was really excited to get it. I've read 
some of this book and not all of it yet, but uh, I think if you're a fan of the Golden Age Marvel characters, the timely characters, I think you will enjoy this book. It's a little bit different. It doesn't have any of the, the mainstream Marvel heroes, but this is the USA Comics, Golden Age USA Comics, Volume 1, Marvel Masterworks Edition, and it contains uh, the reprints from USA Comics numbers 1 through 4. Now, as Golden Age books go, USA Comics kind of got a little bit of a late start. came out in uh, August of 1941 with issue number 1 and uh, continued on in this book anyway. Number 4 is the May 1942 book. Got some great uh, Simon and Kirby in this particular volume. Have work by all kinds of well-known uh, folks from the Golden Age of Comics. Uh, Basil Wolverton, Sid Shores, George Klein, Mike Sierkowski, Ed Wernowski, Stan Lee, and others. Also some uh, house ads for the Captain America books that were coming out at the same time. Of course, Captain America came out uh, fairly close in proximity to this. So I think you'll find it uh, an interesting book. Now, some of the heroes that you will find represented in this particular volume are none other than the Defender, the Wizard, Mr. Liberty, and the Young Avenger, Jack Frost, and many other of the Golden Age timely second-bit players, if you will, uh, not the mainstream characters that were appearing over in Marvel Mystery Comics at the time, but some good characters nevertheless. Uh, of course, Mr. Liberty changed his name to Major Liberty later on, and these are good classic uh, World War II propaganda-type stories, lots of uh, war settings, and of course the the typical Marvel style of doing superhero books back from the Golden Age. So if you're interested in reading something different from the Human Torch or the Submariner or Captain America that everyone, I think, is generally familiar with from the Golden Age of comic books as put out by Timely and Marvel, then check out this USA Comics Marvel Masterworks edition. You know, it's funny, Marvel has not done a lot of Golden Age Masterworks books at this point in time. And I think it's interesting that they picked USA Comics as one of their titles to reprint at this point. But nevertheless, it goes hand in glove with the all-winners reprints that they've done in the Masterworks volume, the Submariner, the Human Torch, etc. So check it out, and I think you will find it uh, a different read and a very enjoyable read, and it'll give you a good glimpse into the inner workings of some of the different Marvel superheroes from the Golden Age of comic books. All right, well, let's move on now to uh, the main topic of today's episode, and that is some characters from the Golden Age comic books who had the word black in their names. I've already covered the Blackhawks in one of our previous episodes, but I haven't covered these two characters. One of them I'm just going to spend a moment on because, honest to goodness, his Golden Age appearance was really just a moment in time in the Golden Age of comic books. However, he's come roaring back in the modern age, and uh, has had a, a very large part in the DC Universe, and that is, of course, Black Adam. And we've seen him in the pages of many of the current DC titles, uh, of course, uh, World War III, and uh, none other than uh, 52, to name just a couple. But he has been a big part of what's been happening over in the DC Universe for the last year, and I wanted to mention him and a little bit about his origins today on the Golden Age of Comic Books. Now, Black Adam first got his start in the pages of Marvel Family No. 1. Of course, that was a Fawcett 
publication and as I've talked about on a couple of other occasions back in the uh, the 40s DC and Fawcett had a big lawsuit that went on between uh, the two companies over the copyright between uh, Superman and uh, Captain Marvel trademark dispute as well Fawcett lost out decided to quit publishing and that was the end of the Fawcett characters for quite some time until DC purchased the rights to all of those characters later on. But back in 1945, in the month of December, Marvel Family number one hit the stands, and of course Fawcett was probably just as popular at that time as the DC characters were. And in the pages of Marvel Family number one, Fawcett decided to introduce a character to take on the entire Marvel Family that appeared in that particular comic book, and that, of course, the Marvel family was Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr., Mary Marvel, and Uncle Marvel, and they teamed up to fight this character who was known as Black Adam, and his origin was told in this particular story that 5,000 years before Shazam gave the superpowers to Billy Batson to become Captain Marvel, he did the same thing. He decided to pick a champion uh, from ancient Egypt, and that was a Egyptian prince who was known as Teth Adam. And Teth Adam was summoned to appear before Shazam the wizard, and when he did, Shazam the wizard told him that he was going to make him his champion, told him to say his name Shazam, and when Teth Adam said the name Shazam, lightning came down from the sky and he was transformed into the character that at that time was known as Mighty Adam. And Mighty Adam had the familiar black uh, outfit with the uh, gold lightning bolt on his chest as he appears in the pages of the current DC Comics in which he appears. And so that was the origin of Mighty Adam, who later became Black Adam. It was told throughout this story that he uh, turned evil, and, of course, uh, became Black Adam, and ultimately his powers were taken away, but he came back and was the uh, nemesis of Captain Marvel and the Marvel family in this particular story. Interestingly, he only made one appearance in the Golden Age of comic books, and that was in this particular story. He was defeated by the Marvel family, and he was defeated in such a way that, although he had his powers, he could not summon his powers um, uh, to uh, become Black Adam. And so it wasn't until many, many years later in the modern age of comics that this character was brought back, and I'm not going to go into all of that, but he was brought back, as you know, and has figured prominently in the stories of the DC Universe since that time. Now, unfortunately, up to this point, there has not been an archive edition in which the Marvel Family number 1 story of Black Adam has been reprinted. However, this story has been reprinted on a number of occasions, and I'll mention that to you uh, here. First of all, in the um, series where Captain Marvel was revived, that was the series known as Shazam that came out in the early 1970s. In the pages of Shazam number 8, that came out in 1973, this story was reprinted. Later on, about four years later, as uh, we've heard over on the Collected Comics Library podcast, a book came out called Shazam from the 40s to the 70s. That book came out in 1977, and this story from Marvel Family Number 1 was reprinted in that book. 
Later on in 1982, in Adventure Comics Digest number 497, the story was reprinted. And finally, as far as I know, the only other reprint of this story appeared in Shazam and the Shazam Family Annual number 1. That appeared in 2002. So you can go out and find a copy of the reprint of the origin story of Black Adam, who was known as Mighty Adam, who was known as Tep Adam. And then you'll find out uh, how he got his start in the DC Universe to become, at least lately, one of the main uh, villains that has appeared who has absolutely wreaked havoc throughout the DC Universe. So check that out if you're interested in learning about Black Adam, and I think you'll, uh, you'll enjoy that quite a bit. Now, the main focus of the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast for the 51st installment is another character whose superhero name starts with the word Black, and that is none other than the Black Canary. I've never covered the Black Canary other than in passing on the Golden Age of Comic Books, and I thought I would devote the remainder of the episode today to her origins and her existence as a superhero in the DC Universe during the Golden Age of Comics. So, let's talk about Black Canary. Where did she get her start, and how did she progress into the Golden Age and on into the future? Well, the very first appearance of Diana Drake, the Black Canary, was in the pages of Flash Comics with issue number 86. That was the August 1947 issue. Kind of a late Golden Age appearance for someone who has become one of the the main superheroes in the DC Universe. And she had her first appearance in the pages of a Johnny Thunder story. Of course, Johnny Thunder was originally a member of the uh, Justice Society of America, appearing in all-star comics, and he had solo adventures as a backup feature in the pages of Flash Comics. Johnny's Thunder and his Thunderbolt appeared in those stories. In issue number 86, DC decided to introduce a new character to assist Johnny Thunder in his uh, adventures, and the Black Canary made the made her first appearance. Now, the Black Canary started out in that first story, which was called The Black Canary, sort of as a villain, perhaps. It wasn't really uh, known if she was a villain or if she was going to be a hero until later on. And so in that story, we see a blonde-headed woman calling Johnny Thunder from out of the shadows, asking him to assist her, flirting with him a little bit, asking him to assist in getting something that she forgot to get out of her apartment. She says to him that she was on her way to a masquerade ball. That's why she was dressed in a black outfit uh, with black leather and black fishnet stockings. And uh, he decides he's going to help her. He climbs up the ladder, goes into the room, opens a safe, and takes out a black mask. He returns the mask to her, uh, and in the process of, of throwing it to her out of the window, he gets stuck and has to inadvertently and if you've ever read the Johnny Thunder stories, you know what I mean by inadvertently call for his Thunderbolt to help him uh, get out of his predicament. In the meantime, the woman has disappeared with the mask, and Johnny Thunder and his Thunderbolt are involved with a bunch of thugs, and it turns out that Johnny is accused by the thugs of stealing the black mask for the black canary, and that she has always gotten involved with these criminals by finding out what jobs they're going to pull and then actually going and pulling the jobs before they have an opportunity to do that. And so that's why she had Johnny get her the mask, because she was going to 
make sure that the, the thugs knew that uh, she was going to go and do that. So, Johnny has a fight with the thugs and somehow, despite his uh, haphazardness, subdues the thugs. And during the course of looking through their, their papers, he finds out that they were planning to rob a gangster known as Sox Slades. Uh, Sox has a big sapphire that uh, they were going to steal. And so the Thunderbolt takes Johnny to what was going to be the scene of the crime. And of course, as you can imagine, the um, uh, whole reason you find out that the Black Canary needed the mask was to get into Sox's home uh, because Sox, as part of his invitation, sent out a special mask to each person who was going to attend his party. That way he would know that people coming into the party were people that he actually invited. And so Black Canary had the mask, and she is in the library. There's always a safe in the library in every one of these stories, and guess what? It was behind a painting. Surprise, surprise. And as she is taking the uh, the, the painting, moving it away from the wall, uh, of course, uh, the thugs discover her and are about to shoot her when in blasts Johnny and his thunderbolt. And, uh, of course, it looks like he's going to save the day. Well, in fact, the Black Canary uh, grabs uh, a book off the shelf and throws it at the thugs and knocks the gun out of their hands. And then the thunderbolt uh, helps a little bit, too, and knocks them unconscious with his lightning bolts, and the Black Canary escapes out the window. And that's the end of the story, the first appearance of the Black Canary in a Johnny Thunder story. Kind of a bit part and a bit player, but as you can imagine, uh, Johnny is smitten with the Black Canary, and it looks like maybe she might become a love interest of Johnny Thunder in the pages of the Johnny Thunder stories in Flash Comics. And of course, uh, the Black Canary appears once again wearing the same mask that she had stolen in her first episode, and this is in the pages of Flash Comics number 87. And she appears as a regular character with Johnny Thunder, and it turns out that she is a crime fighter and not a thief herself, and she's robbing from crooks and uh, trying to fight on the side of the law, as you would expect, as a superhero. And she becomes more and more popular in the pages of the Johnny Thunder stories in Flash Comics, and in fact becomes um, more and more of the lead character in the stories. Interestingly, though, she does not appear in the pages of Flash Comics number 89 in the Johnny uh, Thunder story. That's the November 1947 issue. But in all the other stories, she does appear, and her roles get bigger and bigger to the, ex to the uh, extent that starting with number 90, Flash Comics number 90 in the Johnny Thunder story, her name actually is featured in larger letters than Johnny Thunder's name. It's now Johnny Thunder in little letters and the Black Canary in big letters. And that continues on until issue number 92. And guess what? In issue number 92, the Black Canary uh, is the solo character in these stories and Johnny Thunder is no more. And in fact, on the cover of Flash Comics number 92 which is the February 1948 issue in a story called Huntress of the Highway. The Black Canary makes a cover appearance uh, flanked on either side by none other than the Flash 
on her left, and the Hawkman, who is also the other lead character in Flash Comics, on her right. And she's seen emerging uh, from the center of the cover uh, as the most prominent character of that particular uh, issue of Flash Comics. Now, of course, now that her stories are solo stories, starting in Flash Comics number 92, a lot more of her life and her origin has to be fleshed out for the readers who want to know just who is this person and how did she come along, first of all, into the life of Johnny Thunder to fight crime and now in her solo stories. And so in issue number 92 of Flash Comics, we learn a whole lot more about the life of the Black Canary. And I should point out at this juncture that all of the Black Canary stories um, that appear in Flash Comics were written by Bob Kaniger and were penciled by uh, Carmine Infantino. So some, some real top-flight um, creators were handling the Black Canary during that period of time in her solo stories that appeared in Flash Comics. Now, in the page of the Flash Comics number 92, we learn for the first time that Dinah Drake is actually not blonde. She's actually a brunette and has black hair, and she runs a flower shop, and that is her secret identity. When she's not running around fighting crime as the Black Canary, she is the florist known as Dinah Drake. We also find out that from the very beginning of her solo stories, she has a new interest, love interest in her life, and that is none other than a private detective, and his name is Larry Lance. And Larry Lance becomes more and more involved in the life of Dinah Drake and the Black Canary as the solo adventures continue in the pages of the Flash comics. And in fact, uh, he does become a love interest, and as the story is told much later in the modern age of comics and the silver age of comics, it turns out that they, later on, after the Black Canary's last Golden Age appearance got married and had um, had a daughter, but uh, I won't be covering that uh, in, in any more detail than that on the show today, but uh, that is the, uh, the story that was told much later after the revival of this character. But in issue number 92, we learn about the Black Canary and her dual identity, and uh, in that story, of course, she becomes involved with Larry Lance's efforts to solve a mystery and solve a crime and along the way in uh, fighting the uh, evildoers and the, the villains in this story she manages to save Larry Lance's life of course which causes him to be even more interested in the Black Canary and her uh, her adventures and her story. Later on in the pages of Flash Comics and the adventures of the Black Canary, you'll find that Larry Lance actually moves his private detective agency into the flower shop, and uh, they become a little bit closer and closer in terms of their, their working relationship. Although during this time, he does not know that, that Dinah is actually the Black Canary. That's a secret that he is not aware of at that time. Now, the Black Canary continued her appearances in Flash Comics, as I mentioned, the first solo story was in number 92 and continues all the way through the very last issue in the Golden Age of that title. That was the February 1949 issue number 104. And that was her last appearance in the Golden Age pages of Flash Comics. Of course, that title was revived with the Silver Age Flash much later 
in the 19, uh, early, uh, I guess the late 1950s with Flash Comics or the Flash number 105, but the Black Canary did not appear in that title then. Now, the Black Canary did not only appear in those solo stories that I mentioned in Flash Comics and her earliest adventures with Johnny Thunder. She actually uh, became a member of the JSA, and her first appearance with the JSA was in the pages of All-Star Comics number 38. That was the December 1947, January 1948 issue of that title which was approximately one month before her first solo story in the pages of Flash Comics. So all this was happening at about the same time. I would imagine that DC determined that she was a very popular character and that reader reaction was positive from her appearances in the Johnny Thunder stories. The decision was made to give her a solo title in the uh, uh, pages of Flash Comics and also then to introduce her uh, essentially to take Johnny Thunder's place in the JSA, which is exactly what happened. And her first appearance, as I mentioned, was in issue number 38, and then by issue number 41 of All-Star Comics, that was the June-July 1948 issue, she was made a member of the JSA and made cover appearances as a member of the JSA from that point forward, and continued on until the last issue of All-Star Comics, which was issue number 57. That was the February-March 1951 issue. And that was the end of her run as a Golden Age character uh, with All-Star number 57 in February-March 1951, as was the case with several other Golden Age DC superheroes whose solo stories or solo titles had been previously ended, but they continued on with the JSA until that title was changed to All-Star Western in uh, March-April of 1951. So the Black Canary became a very, very popular character uh, late in the Golden Age of comic books. Some would even say that the Golden Age had already ended at this time and that we were sort of in the limbo period between the Golden Age and the Silver Age, but I, I consider any of the superhero stories that continued on into the late 40s and even into the early 50s to be Golden Age stories. And so she did make those appearances and became popular enough that uh, she was uh, given her own solo stories and made a member of the JSA. Unfortunately, with the collapse of uh, most of the superhero comic book titles in the early 1950s, the Black Canary went by the wayside. Now, it wasn't too terribly long until the Black Canary came back. And in the pages of The Brave and the Bold, number 61, that was the September 1965 issue, the Black Canary, along with Starman, were brought back in a team-up story. And you learned a lot about what happened to the Black Canary during the course of her life during... Um, that interim time frame between 1951 and 1965 in this story. And uh, as time went by, you learned a lot more about the Black Canary character as uh, she progressed in the Silver Age of comics and then on into the Bronze Age and the Modern Age of comics. And of course now she is a very popular and well-known character in the DC Universe. Now, if you want to go and read some of the reprints of the Golden Age Black Canary stories, where do you go? Well, there's an interesting uh, Golden Age Black Canary story that I'm going to tell you about. 
It was written by uh, Bob Kaniger and drawn by Carmine Infantino for a Golden Age publication, but it was never published in the Golden Age of comics. Now, I don't know if this story was intended to appear in what would have been issue number 105 of Flash Comics if that title had continued in the Golden Age of comics or in some other title, but there was an unpublished story that was ultimately published in June of 1969 in the pages of DC Special number 3, and it's a pretty typical Golden Age story of the Black Canary and Larry Lance uh, with the flower shop and all the things that I mentioned from the Golden Age of comic books. So I assume that that was a story that would have appeared in the page of the Flash comics. It's a solo story without any JSA involvement. So uh, check that out in DC Special number 3 from June of 1969. Now, as far as reprints are concerned, um, you're in luck if you want to read the earliest Black Canary stories. DC did a Black Canary archives back, I believe, in 2001. And in this particular archive book, you will find all of the Black Canary stories that started with Flash Comics number 86 and went all the way through Flash Comics number 104. You will find the story that appeared in DC Special number 3 that I mentioned a moment ago, reprinted there. And you'll also find um, a story from Adventure Comics number 399 from November of 1970. You'll find the Brave and the Bold number 61 revival story that I mentioned along with the second part of that story from the Brave and the Bold number 62. And you'll find a couple of other stories um, from Adventure Comics numbers 418 and 48. 418 and 419 um, from um, 1972. So check those out um, in that particular archive edition. It, it's really great if you want to read almost all of the Golden Age Black Canary stories that were solo adventures of her. You can read them all in that one book. And of course, as I've mentioned on many occasions, all of her appearances in the pages of All-Star Comics have also been reprinted. I believe the first all-star volume that contains a Black Canary appearance would be volume number eight of the all-star archives. Of course, the last um, uh, archive for all-star comics was number 11. And so if you read all of the all-star comic reprints from issues um, starting with, uh, with, with archive volume number eight through number 11, you'll get to read all of the JSA appearances of the Black Canary. So if you want to buy those archive books, you'll be able to read each and every appearance of the Black Canary from the Golden Age of comic books. I should also point out that the very first appearance of the Black Canary from Flash Comics number 86 was also reprinted in the pages of Adventure Comics number 416. That was the March 1972 issue. So if you just want to read that particular story, you can find it in that 1972 issue of Adventure Comics number 416. Now, as I mentioned, the Black Canary continues to this day as one of the most popular DC female superheroes. Of course, she's had a long-standing romantic involvement with uh, the Green Arrow, Oliver Queen, and uh, has developed a superpower of her own. That only happened in the Silver Age, by the way. She did not have her, her canary cry during the Golden Age of comics. In the Golden Age, she was just a skilled fighter um, and uh, very, very, very smart. 
but uh, in her modern life, she has the superpower, the canary cry, and of course she is very, very skilled at the martial arts. And so that's the current black canary that has evolved from the Golden Age origins. I think you'll find the Golden Age black canary stories very interesting and very entertaining, and I'd encourage you to go out if you want to get them. You can get a copy of that uh, Black Canary Archives from 2001. Cover price, of course, was $49.95 U.S., but it can be had for less. So check it out, and I think you will find um, the early Black Canary stories very, very enjoyable. All right, well, that's going to do it for the 51st installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books for April 25th, 2007. I hope you've enjoyed learning a little bit about the Golden Age Black Canary and about Black Adam and about some additional Golden Age reprint books that have uh, come out in the last month. Please don't forget to check out our Comic Space site. That's uh, comicspace.com forward slash Golden Age Comics. There you'll find a hyperlink index of all the episodes of Golden Age of Comic Books. You can become a friend of the Golden Age of Comic Books and leave comments about the particular episodes. Of course, our main location is goldenagecomics.org. That is our blog page where I have the show notes from the episode and links to the mp3 files and links to the other site to go for Golden Age of Comic Book podcast information, and that is our form over at the Comic Geek Speak form. So check that out as well. Please don't forget to support the Grand Comic Book Database Project at comics.org. They also have a GCD site uh, at Comic Space. You can go comicspace.com forward slash GCD, learn more about the Grand Comic Book Database Project and their continuing efforts to catalog each and every comic book ever created. Of course, the convention season is just about underway, and I'm going to be attending, I know for sure, the Heroes Convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's going to be uh, right around the 15th of June. I don't remember the exact dates, and I don't have that in front of me as I'm recording this afternoon. But I'll be there, and I know a lot of other comic book podcasters will be there. So if you are in the Charlotte, North Carolina area on Father's Day weekend, 2007, I'd love to meet the... uh, the fans of Golden Age Comics, so come on by. I'm always with Earl Shaw at his booth, and I may be uh, also at a uh, podcasting area that I'm hoping will get set up at the show. So hopefully we'll see everybody there. Last but not least, don't forget about our email address. That's goldenagecomics at gmail.com. I love getting emails about Golden Age comic books, trivia questions, or just uh, requests for general information about Golden Age comics. So feel free to drop me an email whenever you'd like, and I'll do my very best to answer your questions. So that's going to do it for the 51st installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books. Go out there and check out the Black Canary Archives, the USA Masterworks, the Superman Action Comics Archives Volume 5, and the greatest Wonder Woman stories ever told, and you will get your fix for Golden Age material for at least another month. So have a great uh, time, everybody, going to shows and the upcoming convention season. And I look forward to talking to each and every one of you about Golden Age comic books in our next show. 